Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. Some intentional, some not. I'm not talking to the intentional people today. I just want to talk to the people that are doing it unknowingly. And what I really have to say to you guys is, you know, there's things that we do and we don't realize, but that doesn't make us exempt from the outcome. And the Bible says that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So what that tells you right there is, you know, when you get to heaven and God starts asking you, well, God, I didn't know about that. Well, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. It's not the fact that knowledge isn't available. It's the fact that we just don't want to know because ignorance is bliss. As long as I don't know it, I won't be held responsible for it. Wrong. It happens. But what I want to talk to you about is witchcraft. God has laid this on my heart, and it's been on my heart for the last couple of months. When we first started off talking about the presence of God and how important it is to be in his presence. But there are people, born-again believers, there are people that are filled with the Holy Ghost that still are involved with witchcraft. And you don't even know it. You don't even know that you're casting spells. Deep, isn't it? Some of y'all looking at me like, come on now, you better tell me. I want to know what I'm doing. I ain't trying to go to hell. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen. Listen very carefully. Because being a Christian, you have influence. And when you have influence, you could use those influences for certain things. Now, witchcraft, a witch, not all witches are green and have long noses and ride brooms. Some of y'all looking at me like, I work, I work for one right now. My job, I swear, God. No, not all warlocks wear big robes and aren't found on TV channels and famous TV shows that our kids watch. The reason why a witch is a witch and a warlock's a warlock is because they cast spells. What is casting a spell? I'm going to break it down to you. I'm going to take all. I'm going to take away all the sugar coating of what a spell is. A spell basically is this: imposing my will on you. Me saying something to get you do, to do what I want you to do. For instance, Bugs Bunny, he would find a little hat and a little wand, and he, boom. He said, you're a chicken. Boom, you become a chicken. What he did was, I want you to become a chicken, so I'm going to speak some words to make you start acting like a chicken. Well, you guys know pimping is the same way. To get a woman to do what you want to do, all they're doing is just casting spells on you. They're saying things to convince a woman to do their bidding. Here's another word for it that we don't really realize that we use. It's called manipulation. Manipulative personalities. You guys know some of them. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right. But as Christians, we have this influence, and you know it because if you go by any of these shops, one of the things that's going to determine whether you go in the shop sometimes is that they have a little fish on the outside. You ever see the fish, little fish, they have little Christian fish? You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, automatically, you go, oh, they're Christian. And because Christians are supposed to be honest and do a good job, all of a sudden, the influence of Christianity promotes you to go into their store. You come to find out they weren't Christian at all, but they got you. So today, what we're going to talk about, basically what we're talking about, is it's called charms, mouth-to-mouth manipulation. Charms. 
mouth-to-mouth manipulation. Now, what I'm going to say to you, and if some of you guys have been in here guilty of, of manipulation, which is guilty of witchcraft, which is guilty of spells, don't sit down and look at me right now and get all worried. Because today, we're going to bring knowledge, we're going to bring truth to you, and truth, the Bible says, know the truth, and truth shall make you free. You shall be free today, because the truth is going to come to you in, in the form of the Word of God. Now, because you've been guilty, it does not mean that you're going to hell. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I hear somebody go, Shoo. yes, oh, glory. Because some people in here are master manipulators. If you were on Harry Potter, you'd be sitting in the big seat. You'd have your own school. <laughs> but we have such influence. And, and when you use your influence to influence somebody to do your will, it's a spell. But as Christians, we need to use our influence and our, and, and the, and, and our power that we have but we should use the power of the word of God to influence people to do God's will. It's a big difference. Because I have influence. I'm trying to influence people to follow Jesus and do his will and do his bidding, not my own. We see it a lot in church. So many people, because I'm a pastor, I have this influence over people. That's why it's very important that I watch some of the stuff that I do. Because I'm, it, it may look good, but it may not be right. Because as a pastor, I can influence you guys to do a lot of different things. Because well, my pastor, because you trust me. That's my pastor. He would do right. He would never hurt me. But I can end up using my influ- influence, and it wouldn't be morally right. You guys with me with that? Yeah. Okay. I, I would get deeper, but I'm not going to get deeper. I'll get deeper later. So what we want to talk about first, let me just get into the scripture with you real quick. Matthew 22:15. It says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Just real quickly, I just want to ask you guys, you guys know what kissing fish are? You ever seen kissing fish? The fish that kiss each other? When you watch them in in an aquarium, it looks like they're kissing, but they're not kissing. They're fighting over territory. So what we appear looks romantic is not romantic. It's really a fight because they're highly territorial. Basically, what I'm saying is they're fighting with their mouth. They're getting authority through their mouth. They're making whatever's in their area or whatever's around them. They, look, I don't want you over here, so by my mouth, I'm going to make you go over there. By my mouth, I'm going to make you afraid of me. By my mouth, I'm going to attack you. By my mouth. It's a kissing fish. But on the outside, it looks like they're doing good. But really, they're just territorial and they're bullies. Nothing but lip-locking, jaw-jacking, power moves with the tongue. Now, some of you might think that sounds funny, but it sounds really familiar. And we don't have to go to an aquarium and watch this kind of action happen, this kind of mouth-to-mouth battle going on. If you look real closely, you can see this type of battle going on at work. You can see it happening in church and definitely in your homes. And if you're really quick, you can see it in the mirror without anybody standing behind you. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, it, it, if, if you want to fight and get rid of your enemy, and this, this is dudes on the street, they're quick to shoot them, kill them. Or you get into a fist fight. You want to battle, it's always about fighting. Then they're shooting. But you know what? The, mo- the best way to ruin somebody is with your mouth. 
The government knows this. Now I'm getting all deep now. The government has capability of killing anybody anytime, nobody knowing or finding out about it. But instead, they realize when they kill people, they, mar they make them martyrs. So if you die for a cause, you become a martyr. But the best thing that they do is, by word of mouth, slander. They speak things about you to get other people to believe you. So they ruin your reputation. So it's a battle with the mouth. So the best way to ruin somebody's life is talk bad about them and get other people to believe it. The worst person they can get to believe it is you. <laughs> well, just like these kissing fish, some of us can disguise our fights and call them debates, disagreements, when we're really just protecting our own territory. Now, this was the case the week before Jesus was crucified. Before the whip snapped, before uh, the word, there were words hurled at him, before nails were hammered in his hands, accusations were made, before he bore the cross, he had to bear the tongue beatings of religious leaders. Now watch this, Matthew 21 and 23. It says, now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him, talking about Jesus, as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? See, this kind of attack that happens on people or is happening with Jesus is like this. Show me your credential. By what authority are you doing this? Now, if you think back in those days, it shouldn't have been a problem, but there was a problem. Because in order to be um, recognized as a religious leader, it made it real simple. Uh, uh, you would get, or you would have candidates and a, um, God, forget the name, a rabbi would come up to you and say, follow me. So when he chose you, you would follow him. And he would do teachings with you. Stay with him for a few years. He'd teach you everything about uh, uh, the, the law and teach you all this stuff about being a rabbi and being a teacher. But the problem with that was is that you had so many different people going out being teachers that there was a whole bunch of different doctrines happening. Sound familiar? Happening today. So because all that was happening, the Jewish community said this has to stop because we're getting too far away from the real law and what God is saying. So they pulled it all in and they created the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a group. It was basically like a school of elite Jews that would stand and they would, they're the ones that would send out the rabbis and that way they would keep an eye on doctrine and how everything was being taught. So if you didn't get your credentials from the Sanhedrin, you couldn't be a teacher, according to some people. So this question came up. What authority do you have to do these things? Who gave you this authority? Let me ask you guys something today. What questions of your qualifications have kept you from God's ordained purpose for your life? Who questioned you about can you be this or can you be that because of your credentials? I need you to know something today. Listen very carefully. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'm here to tell you something. I remember, I've heard this so many times, when I first started being a pastor, I, I had no degree in seminary. All I know is I just served the Lord, and I loved him. God called me. So I was trying to unite the body of Christ, and I was trying to get a bunch of men together to serve God. And, 
and I had a couple of men from out of town coming to preach. And I remember I had all these pastors in, in, in this place, and I was telling them about what my intentions were and all this. And I'm, I'm the newest pastor in there. I'm green and uh, as grass. And I make this comment, hey, I'm just trying to do this, this. And then all of a sudden, one of the pastors get up and says, what credentials do you have that I should allow you to preach to me? Tell me. Told me all the pastors that he'd been to, all the theology schools and degrees that he had, and he's looking at me. He says, tell me. I'd have nothing to say. But at that point, which was real funny is, after he said that, all the pastors that I had in the room just, just, just went on with him. Yep, yep, and they all left. So it made me start thinking. I'm like, man, maybe, maybe I need to run and hurry up and get to seminary school so I can tell people about, no, I do have credentials. I, I went to Liberty, and I went to the Apostolic School of Theology, and I've been here, and, and I, maybe I should get all these credentials. But then you know what? I thought, I said, no, wait a minute. i got to stand firm on what God has said to me. If God called me to this, then this is what I'm to do. Who cares what the chatter of the enemy says? Funny part about it is this happened eight years ago, and those pastors are still where they were at then. And today, because I didn't listen to the chatter of the enemy, we're at where we're at now. Maybe you don't understand because I, was a pa- I wasn't even really a pastor at the time. I was having Bible study in my house. Show me your credentials. Do you guys realize John D. Rockefeller? If you guys don't know who John D. Rockefeller is, look him up. One of the richest men in the world at the time, if not the richest men in the United States in the early 1900s. Do you realize his credentials were? He dropped out of high school. Richest man in the world. Steve Jobs, y'all know who Steve Jobs is, was. He only went to college for six months. Show me your credentials. Albert Einstein, the father of the theory of relativity, high school dropout. Now, these, these three men that I just mentioned, I don't, I've never read anything about them acknowledging Christ. I don't know. Maybe they were Christians. Maybe they weren't. I can't say that right now. But can you imagine that they didn't sit down and allow their credentials to stop them from pursuing what they were called to do. But so many of us as Christians want to listen to what everybody else says to determine if we're qualified to do what God has called us to do. I want confirmation, Jesus. God does that when we're young in the Lord. But at a certain time, uh, adults... You know, J.R. is my son, 23, about to be 24. Uh, watch this. I don't applaud him every time he goes to the bathroom. He's a grown man. Now, when he was 10 months old, I go, potty, daddy, and took him to the potty. When he went potty, I was like, good job, son. Because when he's a child, I expect childish things. But when he got older, he better put away those childish things. See, what happened is well, God does the same thing with us. We look so much for confirmation. Yes, go ahead and do that, son. Yes, daughter, I want you to do that. No, the just shall live by faith. If God said it, then I got to do it. Somebody got it. 
Let me tell you about credentials. Here goes a credential of a woman that preached the gospel. Watch her credential. She was a prostitute. Her name was Mary. Those were her credentials. There's another guy who preached the gospel. His name was Apostle Peter. Oh, his credentials? He was a fisherman. Can you imagine what people were saying to him? Show me your credentials. <laughs> There's another dude named James. He was just a brother of Jesus. Younger brother, by the way. Nobody's going to listen to the younger brother. Believe me, I know. <laughs> John, the beloved. He was a teenager. How are you going to re- run a church? <laughs> You're too young. Then you had the apostle Paul. How are you an apostle? In order to be an apostle, you were supposed to be able to see the resurrected Jesus or even walk with him. Where's your credentials? All these people didn't allow their circumstances to talk to them. They didn't listen to the chatter of the enemy. They believed what Almighty God had said to them. None of these Christian leaders worried about what people were saying. We think about Mary in the alabaster box. It just came to my mind. So she walks into the house because she knows in her heart, I have been called to be a worshiper. So she goes in because she knows where Jesus is at. I'm going where Jesus is. But it just so happened that Jesus happens to be in the middle of a bunch of non-saved people. She goes in there, cracks the box open, begins to worship Jesus, begins to anoint his feet. She's crying and washing with tears. The Bible talks about what people were saying. You don't think she heard it? You don't think she didn't hear what people were saying? Her preordained destiny was to be a worshiper. But she didn't allow the situation, she didn't allow the circumstance or what she was before to stop her or deter her destiny. She went on and became a worshiper. And as a result, God rebuked the people that were talking about her and then turned around and said, wherever the gospel is preached, this woman will be known as a worshiper. Mm. We have to understand is people are going to talk. People are always going to say something about you. All the chatter, all the spells, because they feel like you don't qualify. Trying to impose their will on you. You could barely read. What do you mean you're going to open up a library? God told you to do it. He's going to walk you through it. <laughs> These Christian leaders knew the first lesson of leadership. And that lesson is if a man wants to lead the orchestra, he must first turn his back on the crowd. If you ever notice that a conductor doesn't look at his audience as he's doing his thing, but he looks at the people that he's leading, not worried about if people are up clapping or loving his music. He's more concerned in the people that he's leading than the people that are watching. Oh, you guys need to hear this. Some of you guys have been called to lead, but you're too busy trying to be uh, people pleasers. You can't lead the people and please the other people at the same time. I'm going to tell you something. If you guys, you guys that are leaders out here, the people that are following you are playing their instruments. So you ain't got time to tell if they're being pleased or not. 
as long as the music's being played, you know you're doing your job. It's the people that are watching that always got something to say. Because as long as the instrument's in your mouth, you ain't got time to talk. Y'all didn't get it. <laughs> so here we have the created asking the creator about his credentials. It's the pot asking the potter to show him some form of ID, forgetting about the miracles, forgetting about um, him healing the blind, the sick, and the deaf. They weren't even going to question what he was teaching. That's what gets me. You got a person that has no credentials, but if he's preaching truth, why do you got to worry about where he, his, his authority comes from? If you're looking at all the good that they're doing, why are we looking for some type of diploma? Does he have the proper paper? Does he have the proper credentials? Did he come to us from the Sanhedrin? They're trying to question your credentials to get you to question your qualifications. So, you know, um, we have a young lady here that has a hair shop. She owns a hair shop. And I, I sit down and I think about it. I wonder what kind of stuff she went through. People look at her like, but wait a minute, how are you going to start a business? You've been to jail. Ain't you got kids? You need to be at home taking care of your kids. You ain't got time for all that. I wonder that all the chatter that she probably heard. I wonder the chatter that, 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 that um, other people hear when they, they, they go on a business venture. And, and, and I remember the chatter that I heard when, when, I, when I was just getting started with, with being a pastor. I remember them saying, look, man, you got that heart condition. You can't be worrying or stressing over anything, so you need to stop being a pastor. So I start questioning myself. See, that's the job of the enemy. The job of the enemy is not just to speak death over you, but also to try to get you to speak death over yourself. These people, they suffer from the misconception that titles make a difference. They have an impression that earthly authority will make a heavenly difference. Let me take a quiz. I want you guys to take a quiz with me real quick. Name the wealthiest man in the world. Okay, you got to just, just watch. You're going to follow me. Okay, okay. Name at least five Heisman Trophy winners. Name five winners of the Miss America contest. Name ten people that won the Nobel Peace Prize. Name somebody that won the Academy Award ten years ago. Name who won the last five World Series in consecutive order. How'd you do? Exactly. You know why? Because achievements, trophies, certificates are all buried with the people that win them. That's why you don't remember. Try this test. Name three people you enjoy spending time with. Mm -hmm. Name ten people who taught you something worthwhile. Name five people that helped you in the time of need. Yeah, that was a little easier, right? Yeah, the people who make a difference are not the ones with the credentials, it's the ones who show concern. I don't care what kind of degrees you have, I don't care what title you got, I don't care what position you're in, unless you show some concern, it means nothing to me. You can come up to me, yeah, I'm glad somebody was thinking about it, because there's people that come up to you, no, I'm a doctor, I have 30 degrees, I can do it. That don't do nothing for me unless you have some love in your heart for me. Got so many pastors talk about how they got 
1,000, 3,000, 4,000 people in their, in their congregation, and, and, but yet personally, they haven't touched anybody's life. Saints, who's charmed you with their words? Who questioned you about your qualifications and now got you questioning yourself? Whose decision stopped you from your destiny? What's been spoken over you? See, the Pharisees made plans to trap Jesus into saying something wrong. This is when it gets real important, Matthew twenty-two sixteen. 16. They said, teacher, they said, we know you're honest and we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Stop real quick. Wait, I need to say something. Chances are when a man slaps you on the back, they're trying to get you to cough something up. You guys know that anytime somebody comes and pats you on the back, there's a, there's a request coming right after. I was, tell, I was telling, you know, my, some of my friends the other day, I'm the type of person, I believe in giving people compliments, male or female. I know I scare a lot of people a lot of times, because one time we were, I think we were in Costco, and there was this older gentleman, but he was yoked, he was looking good. I mean, he had to be like 60-some, real good shape, fit. So I decided to tell him. I said, like, hey, man, I tapped him. Man, you look real good, man, you look, look like you're in shape. And he stopped for a minute and looked at me like, Good thing Kai was with me. But then he probably thought something, well, wait a minute, something, this crazy. But he looked, and then he goes, thanks, man. Thank you. I really believe in paying people compliments. I'm going to tell you why I do. One, because I think people deserve it. And the other thing is, people need to hear a compliment and know that you can get a compliment without somebody expecting something from you. The world has perverted it. How come I can't tell a young lady, wow, you look really pretty today. Your makeup looks really nice. And for her to go, oh, he must like me. Come on, girls, ladies. I'm about to touch on this subject here in a second. Most of the time, people are paying a compliment to you. They want something from you. That's why they're patting you on the back. What happens when somebody starts choking? What are you trying to get out of them? Whatever's choking them, right? What do you do? Pat them on the back. Because you're trying to get what's in them out of them. Do you guys realize the Bible tells about this? Proverbs 29, 5. It says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So flattery is the whole thing that, tries, that, that opens you up. This is no exception. They were slapping Jesus on the back. They gave him an attaboy, good job. And there was something that they wanted from him. The Pharisees are doing the same heavy backslapping here. Now, I wish this saying was true for most of us. Flattery will get you nowhere. You ever heard that? But flattery will get you nowhere. That's a lie. It gets you everywhere, especially with you young ladies. Can I help you young ladies out? Now, I'm here to tell you something, and I'm just saying it because I love you guys. I got my own daughter, naturally, but I got a bunch of spiritual daughters. Just because a gentleman tells you you look good doesn't mean you got to give him anything. I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be honest, ladies? If a guy's telling you how good you look, you just really need to look at him and say, I know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You disagreeing with Jesus. Because you ain't telling me nothing. God ain't spoke over me. 
And the only one I get intimate with is God. I know the mom's in here like, yes, preach, pastor. Telling you, so many young ladies are giving yourself away to these dudes. They don't, they, they don't love you because love waits. You want people to like you? Let them like you for who you are, not what they can get from you. You ain't no grocery store. I go shopping at stores because I like what I get from the store. But if I like people, I like them for who they are, not for what they could do for me. Ladies, start, start looking at you. You know what? If, you, if, you, if you're starting to feel like you ain't never going to get married or you ain't never going to find a man, then keep speaking that over yourself and you won't. You look at yourself, you need to look in the mirror and openly say it. Just, you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How marvelous are thy works, God. You created me in your image. You need to start speaking that over yourself. Start to gain some self-confidence. And I'll tell you here right now, if we ever need to, um, we're, we're Elevate leaders. If I ever need to, as a grown man, need to come to Elevate, we need to pull the young ladies, I will speak life over you. I will, if you don't know how to do it, I'll do it. You ain't got to be a teenager. If you got to be a grown woman, you need to hear a dad figure begin to speak life over you. I'm here for you. Tired of it. You're worth more than that. You're queens. You're God's daughters. Stop selling yourself out to these peasants. Finding yourself in places and beginning, then you start questioning yourself because it, it's all witchcraft. Because the only reason why I'm saying this to you is because I want to get some. I see, I'm trying to get you to do my will. See, the way I please God is by doing His will. And a man becomes, when you start doing uh, the will of a man, which is you trying to please Him, then He's become your God, and that's idolatry. then the, cre the creation is worshiping the, worshiping the creation and not the creator. Unfortunately, many of us fall trapped to flattering lips. It opens us up for the request of the charmer. People only charm you to get out of you what they want. You guys know the people that start off with a compliment? You, if you ever go to a place where they're selling you something, the first thing they do is try to charm you. Oh, hey, how you doing? Looking good today. How can I help you? <laughs> you know, you look really good in this Bentley. Well, I can't afford it. Don't worry, we can get you in this Bentley. You only pay, you know, we can get you on a 30-year payment plan. $700 a month. Don't worry about insurance. You can take care of that. We'll get you in it. Like, Man, Bentley. My mom wouldn't mind me parking that in the garage. They didn't catch it, did they? Now, I'm going to park my Bentley right here. Yeah. At 40 years old. You guys, listen, this form of manipulation is one of the most commonly used spells in witchcraft. Why is it a spell? I'm glad you asked. The only reason the compliment was paid was to influence you to do their bidding or for you to surrender something to them that they want. 
The Bible says in Psalms 12 and 3, it says, may the Lord cut off flattering lips. If you ever see somebody walking around, they ain't got no lips, it's because God cut them off because they was always <laughs> flattering. It's, they were just trying to get, take advantage of people all the time. Now, let me, let me back up for a second. Turn to Matthew 22 and 15. So we can get, it, we can get, get out of here because we, we got to learn this real quick. This is, this, is the, this is the meat of everything, okay? This is the meat of the, the sermon. I need you to hear this, and I need you to hear this clear. Matthew twenty-two fifteen. it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Say, in his talk. Okay, now you notice that they said, in his talk. They're talking about Jesus. They were trying to come up with a plan to get Jesus tangled up in what he says. This is it. You guys better listen and catch this. See, some of us in here have so much authority and so much anointing on our lives that the enemy can't put a spell on us. We're impervious to it because I'm walking in the flow of the anointing. I ain't worried about no witches and no witch doctors or any of that people trying to put spells on me. I'm anointed. Greater is he that's in me than he's that's in the world. I'm telling you right now. They sit there, they can do all the prayers and seances they want. But God is the one that protects me. He's my rear guard. He's my fortress and my shield and my buckler. I trust in God and nobody else. They can't do nothing to me. And because I have God in me, there is life and death. The power of life and death is in my tongue. You guys with me? So if the enemy knows that there is power in what I say, their trick is trying to get me entangled in what I say. If I can't curse you, let me see if I can trick you to curse yourself. Woo. Do you see? They came up with a plan to try to get Jesus to curse himself. If the enemy can get you to say something wrong about yourself, if he can get you to say something wrong uh, over your husband, if he can get you to say something wrong over your wife, if he can get you to say something wrong over your children, if he can get you to say something wrong, period, he will entangle you in your own talk. Dre, you ain't never going to be nothing, man. You're 40 years old. It's a lie. Don't ever look at yourself and say that. God has a way of making a time, brother. The whole point of the enemy, what the enemy's trying to get you to do, he'll speak something, you'll hear it, and then he's trying to get you to agree with it. Once you agree with it, then you'll speak it. Then when you'll speak it, you'll start living it out. My wife and I watched this movie this weekend called The Dark Tower, The Black Tower, whatever it was. Yeah, Dark Tower had Idris. It had, it had black and white, right? Two good, handsome men. He had a good, handsome white-looking man and a handsome black-looking man, right? So he had these two dudes going against each other. Okay, does that too deep? Uh, anyway, you got these two guys who are like, okay, he called another guy earlier good-looking. What, what's going on? No. It's all good. I'm no homo. Got to say that? Okay, anyway. Good-looking dudes, it's okay. I can give somebody a compliment. I'm sure myself. Ain't that right, honey? Thank you. All right. So there's two dudes, right? But the part, the crazy part was the bad guy. He didn't touch anybody. 
He could kill you if he touched you, but the one way that he was getting people is he cast spells on them. He was a warlock. He walked by and go, don't breathe. And people, oh, boom. But he would try it on some people, and it wouldn't work. He tried on, there was few people, but there was something that was in him that kept it from happening. Watch this, watch this. So because he couldn't cast a spell on them, he tried to get them entangled in their own words. So he began to start telling them about the situation. You know people don't like you. You know right now your mom's dead, your father's dead, nobody's around to like you. And once they got their focus off their plan and their purpose, I, he did like this. And he started talking. He goes, ah, there it is. And he walked away. Oh, man, it was, it, it was, it was so biblical. It was so occultic. And, and, and we sat there and watched, and I was like, me and Kai talking the whole movie. I'm glad we was by ourselves. He's like, oh, uh, just like the enemy. Oh, they're tapping in. They're tapping in. So they're tapping in. So that is just how the enemy works. This ain't a movie. They tapped into the occult to show you, and we're not wise enough. We're thinking it's entertainment. It's God trying to tell you exactly how the enemy works. He can't get you. He can't get in you because Christ is in you, but he's going to start talking to you about the situation. Dre, I ain't trying to put you out there on the street, but I know that God's got a preordained destiny for you. But you've been to the pen. You've been locked up most of your life. You was a drug addict. You got all these issues going on in your life. What about you ain't married? You're a father and your kids are somewhere else. He keeps reminding you of your situation. He wants you to get tangled up in your own talk. But when you start thinking about where you're at instead of where God has called you to be, you'll stay where you're at. Instead of going, no, that's okay. I got a great testimony. I'm working on it because I'm going to keep moving and doing what God told me to do. I, I may not be where I should be, but thank God I ain't where I used to be. God is moving. God is moving. But we're so busy listening to the chatter of the enemy. He's casting his spells and he's using his minions called people to come and remind us about where we at in life. Stan, you too sick, man. Why are you trying to be a business owner? Why are you trying to start business and own thing? Why all this? Look at yourself. No, Stan's like, no, nah, please. Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. God has given me the strength, and I'm going to carry on. And matter of fact, while I am like this, his, his grace is sufficient for me. Therefore, I will glory in my affirmity that the power of God shall rest upon me. Woo! Hallelujah. If I walk around with a business suit on doing jumping jacks all day, you would know why I could do the things that I do. But if I'm walking and I'm struggling and I can't breathe, but yet I'm still doing what God has called me to do, you would know it's not me that is carrying me to the, the next level in Christ. Samson wasn't big and yoked. Because if he was big, yoked, tall, and muscle-bound, you knew where his strength came from. See, I didn't think about that. Samson was like that. I'm looking for one of the kids in here. I'm trying to, trying to see anything. Yeah, he was probably about he was probably about four foot six. Four, yeah, I was looking for JoJo. <laughs> Where is he? he ain't about four foot six, about 35 pounds soaking wet. But yet he was going through, killing hundreds and thousands of people. So people would look and go, that the glory that is on his life is not that of his own but it's the glory of God. They look and say, God must be with him. 
See, that's why the things, that's why you're going through the things that you're going through. That's why it's so important to listen to what God says, because God doesn't get glory of you just walking around in there. Hey, I got all the money. I got all this. God gets glory when you, you, you're the most likely a candidate. God gets glory when you ain't the one that should be there. God gets the glory when you're beat down and shipwrecked, and he pulls you out of that, out of the darkness, into the marvelous light. As I close, there's an old saying. It says, the enemy of my enemies are my friends. You know, it's funny how two enemies will get together when they have a common enemy. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened back then. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two sects of Jews that couldn't even get along. One of them believed in resurrection, the other one didn't. One of them believed in the afterlife, the other one didn't. One of them believed in angels, the other one didn't. One believed in, in uh, the, the, the law, but adhered mostly to the spoken word. The other one believed in the word, the written word only. So these two had these big issues. They couldn't even get along with each other. But yet they saw something that was threatening their way of life. So they decided to get together. And they said, look, we're going to attack this dude Jesus. We're going to try to get him, you know, mess him up because he's making us all look bad. It's almost like this. Can you imagine the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses getting together to try to stop what's going on at the building? That's how serious it is. It's like the Democratic Party getting together with the Republican Party and trying to stop terrorism. It's funny because you guys are like, well, well, they can do that, right? It ain't happening. It's like it doesn't work. It's like, look, you have a common enemy. You would think they got together. But they saw such an enemy that they said, let's forget our differences, but we can't agree on one thing. We need to stop Jesus. <laughs> so they got together and they devised this, this plan. They said, let's get, it, let's get him entangled in his own talk. So this is what they did. Matthew 22, 24 to 28. It said this. Teacher, Moses said if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died, and he married. And having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and then the third even to the seventh. Last of all, woman, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection... Whose wife of the seven will she be? For they had her all. So all of them had her. She was wife to all seven of them. They're like, so when we die, because, you know, we all talk about that. Whose wife is she going to be since she married to all seven of them? There's going to be a, a fight in heaven. You guys, you guys being Christian, you know what's funny is that people that don't believe in God never question you with these long theological questions about Jesus. It's religious people who want to question your belief and your faith in Christ with some big, long, crazy questions. Anyway, I mean, you read that. Who would come up with that? Well, there were seven brothers, and the first brother had a wife, but they didn't have any children, so he died. So the next brother married her, and they were married for a little while, but he died too. The first thing I'd be like, well, what's wrong with the woman? Did anybody bring her up on charges? I mean, that's what we should be asking. We ain't talking about two, brother, three, but we're talking about seven. 
That's what I would have done if I was Jesus. You talking about the resurrection, they all going to hell. Somebody killed somebody. Watch this though. Watch this. I like the way Jesus answered. He said this, 29 to 33. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures. Can I just stop right there? Just know right there, not knowing the scriptures. Why should we try to argue with something that we know nothing about? So many of us all, and I'm talking about Christians here, want to argue about the Bible, but you don't know the scriptures. That's why I don't argue with people about the Quran, because I don't know it. But I know my Bible, and I don't argue about the Bible. I like there's a famous uh, spiritual poet by the name of Ministry, and he made this comment. He said he doesn't have to defend the Word of God, because the Word of God is a lion. It defends itself. I don't have to defend it. So, let me go on with the Scripture. He says, you are mistaken not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection neither Mary nor no, sorry, there neither Mary nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read, have you not read, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So what does that teach us? When people are questioning you, about your destiny, when people are asking you about your credentials, when they are trying to speak negative over what God has called you to, you need to answer in the same way Jesus did. You're mistaken. Have you not read the scripture? Don't you know the power of God? Do you know that God has taken me out of darkness into the marvelous light? Do you not know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Don't you know that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? So you begin to put the word on it. You have to use the word of God when the enemy speaks contrary to what, he, to what God's trying to get you to. Jesus spoke the word. He was the word. So he spoke the word. It's the only thing that cancels out any spells, any incantations, and any witchcraft that's ever spoken over you. It's the word of God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.